0: for 23 years I've sat out there and and online and so this is kind of my first time behind the curtain and let me just tell you what an appreciation over the last 24 hours I've gained over the incredible team in booths and in places you can't even see and our Connect team, our facilities team, they're out there wiping down the The door's right now, and they already had a busy week, and they're here to serve us, so would you uh, join me in just thanking them for their service to us? It takes a lot, it takes a lot to make this happen. Uh, Again, I've gained a, a lot of appreciation. Wow, and that music, I just love the last song. I love acapella, I'm a sucker for that anyway, but the doxology, I grew up at Calvary United Methodist Church. We were on the corner of 14th and Lehigh Street in Easton, Pennsylvania. And we sang the doxology every Sunday. The organists only had to play, but maybe one or two notes and everybody was up because nobody sat down when they sang the doxology. And if you were a young guy and maybe you were distracted, a quick backhand or a ear pull would get you up too. But even more than that, what I, what I remember As I listen and sing that song, I I remember looking up and listening to my dad. He had this Bing Crosby kind of voice, and it was just so soothing, and I've just really grown to appreciate that's one of the fondest memories I have about dad and the doxology. Now. Maybe I'm just getting nostalgic. It's Christmas time, thinking back to when I was a kid, but I I did think about a Christmas. I'm about 10, 11, 12 years old, and this particular Christmas, I was going for broke. I was swinging for the fences. I was going to ask for everything that I wanted. In fact, there were a couple of items at the top of my list. Now, I, I knew from years past that Usually Santa didn't respond to these requests, but I did have hope. My, my dad's two sisters, my aunts, they didn't have kids and they loved to spoil me and my brother. So I thought maybe if I told them what I wanted, I had a chance of getting it. Now, at the top of the list were two things. The first thing was a game called Robo Ball or Roto Ball. There it is, Roto Ball. And the second thing that I really, 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 really wanted was an air hockey table. Well, the way we did Christmas in our family, uh, in the morning we would do it with just mom, dad, me, and the brother. And in our house, the, the, the presents appeared in the morning. And then we'd go to Grandpa's house, and my two aunts lived with Grandpa, and then we'd go to his house. Now, one of the differences was at grandpa's house, the presents came out underneath the tree in the weeks leading up to Christmas. So you can just imagine my surprise, a week or two before Christmas, a big box with my name on it. Now we have been given strict instructions not to touch the presents. (laughs) I was 11 years old, right? So I I picked an opportunity and, and, and usually, You know, it starts off with just lifting and shaking and trying to figure out what might be in this. Oh, I'm so curious. And in years past, I had perfected the flashlight method because if the wrapping paper was thin enough, you might be able to catch a logo or some printing. And then I was working on another technique because when the flashlight method didn't work, if you went back into a seam, you could sometimes lift it up and stick your light in there and see. And if it was wrapped too tightly, then you could go to the kitchen and get a butter knife and you could maybe slice underneath there and remove the the tape. But you had to be careful about that one because sometimes it rips the paper. Well, I don't exactly remember how much evidence I gathered, but I was sure this was an ice hockey table. So you can imagine the days leading up to Christmas I wasn't thinking about what was in the box. I was thinking about playing air hockey and beating my brother and beating my dad. And and if this was an Olympic sport, I was gonna get the gold medal. Well, Christmas morning came, did Christmas at our house, went to grandpa's house. Of course, my big box was near the back. So we had to get rid of all the little presents first. And then the time came, all the eyes were on me and I opened up my present and it wasn't an air hockey table. Now, the rest of the story is it was that roto ball game and I got along okay. But in that moment, my expectations clashed with reality and they weren't the same. Kind of sound like 2020 for you and me, (laughs) right? Last year, this time, if you would have told me that in the United States of America, we were going to have toilet paper shortages, I would have said, we might have had a little too much eggnog. A year ago, if you would have told me we were going to be walking around with stuff like this hanging off our ears, I went, what? You're kidding me. I mean, it was hard enough before. I mean. I could barely remember where I'd put my reading glasses. Now I have to remember where I put this, right? And don't look at me. How many times have you had to turn the car around to get your mask that you forgot? Yeah, I knew I wasn't the only one. And then we've got this whole new vocabulary, right? COVID, contact tracing, herd immunity. Yeah, 2020, it's been a real ride. Hasn't, my, hasn't met my expectations. No, I, I don't mean to make light of the difficult year we've had. We all have encountered this difficult time. But as we went through the Advent season, I was reminded that, you know, I'm not the only person with unmet expectations. I, you know, Mary and Joseph, I mean, think about it. We're gonna get married. We've got this immaculate conception. <laughs> We go to Bethlehem, they don't even have a room for us, right? I mean, they had a lot of expectations that weren't met. Let me pose a question for us to think about. Whose expectations are more important? Our expectations or God's expectations? Now, for some of you who've been hanging out in this church place for a while, you know the right answer. It's God, right? God and Jesus are always the right answers. But yeah, God's expectations are more important than my expectations. So do we know what God's expectations are for me, for you, for our church called Northland? What are God's expectations? Has he told us or do we have to guess? Goodbyes, parting words, they're important. We make them important. Some of you are are seeing off family. You're dropping them off at an airport or maybe the car is packed up and they're ready to leave and those, those parting words, those goodbyes. Thanks for coming, be safe, call us when you get there. Make it a great semester. We miss you, we love you. Some of us had had to do those goodbyes over the phone or over FaceTime over the holidays. Oh, just I wish we could have been together this year. Maybe next year, I miss you, love you, right? Final words, parting words are important. So what were Jesus's parting words? We worship a babe in a manger. And in a few months, we'll worship the Savior who died for us, Good Friday and Easter. And, and then, you know, we kind of run out of holidays, but the story's not over. When Jesus arose from the dead, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then a little bit of First Corinthians, and the book of Acts, you can piece together that Jesus was with us for 40 days after his resurrection. And in those 40 days, there are 10 recorded interactions with people. Now, some of those interactions were just one-on-one. I mean, the very first one was, was Mary Magdalene. When she went to the empty tomb and she was sobbing and she started talking to someone who she thought was the gardener, but it was, it was her Lord. It was Jesus There are other times when Jesus is talking and connecting with his disciples and smaller groups or all of them. And there are some instances where he speaks to hundreds of people. We're gonna drop in on the eighth recorded time that Jesus met with people. Now, the ninth time that he met with someone, all the Bible says is that he met with his half brother, James, and that's it. They don't tell us anything that they talked about. But that was the ninth appearance. And then the tenth appearance was on the Mount of Transfiguration, where, when he went off to be with the Father. And loosely paraphrasing that, he basically said, I'm leaving, I'm coming back, I'm going to give you the Spirit, work my plan. Again, loosely paraphrasing. Well, what's his plan? Well, follow me, <coughs> excuse me, follow me to... Uh, to what the disciple Matthew writes. Matthew is, is writing a first-hand account of this. He was there, he's writing what he observed. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, we're gonna start at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. I wanna pause right there. But some doubted? There are some people that do not believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that it's just a collection of stories made up. Well, folks, if I'm making up a story, the last thing I'm gonna do is share some of the dirt with you that there were doubters here. So, including some doubted, really speaks to the authenticity of what Matthew is writing to us also this this doubting there were some that doubted that this was really Jesus because just a few weeks ago they saw Jesus dead on a cross and and this must be an imposter he might look like him he might even talk like him but this can't be that Jesus And doubting, some of the disciples were still doubting. They had expected when Messiah comes, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom. And Jesus hadn't done that yet. And they were doubting, doubting what they believed, doubting what their expectations were because those expectations were not being met. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now that's pretty significant for two reasons. One, he says all authority on heaven and earth is given to him. And to those doubters who didn't think this was the real Jesus, who thought this was an imposter, well, if the imposter said that, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, he had just signed his death sentence. Because that's what got Jesus killed. The other significance of saying this was Jesus was reminding the disciples and the hundreds that were on the mountain that he was the son of God, that all authority on heaven and earth had been given to him. We go on, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. If you're reading this through your Bible, at the top of the section, it might say, The Great Commission. And this morning, I'm just going to put a little subtitle. Maybe it's The Great Expectation. So what I'd like to do with our time is let's go through these verses. Let's dig into them. What do they really mean? Sometimes we, we hear things so often we forget what they really mean. So the very first word, go. Now, go means take action. It means move, do something, right? Don't stay the same. And in this particular case, this word that is used go is more accurately um, meaning as you go along, along the way. So as you go to school, as you go to work, as you go to the market, as you mow your lawn, do these things that I'm about to tell you. Go means it should be a lifestyle, should be who you are. Go, and then it says, make disciples. Now keep in mind, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he didn't say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Right? No. He said, go and make disciples. He was handing off the baton. Jesus had been the disciple maker. He had called them, he had discipled them, and now he is saying, I'm not going to be here. But while I'm gone, I want you to be the disciple maker. Now, this word disciple, again, another word that gets thrown around quite a bit in church. What does it really mean? Well, there's a lot of different definitions. The definition that I'm gonna put forward to you is not one that I came up with. We actually are adopting it from an organization called Discipleship.org. Discipleship.org is a collective of over 30 ministries that are dedicated to making disciples. And to get 30 of anybody to agree on anything is is a monumental task, but they agreed on this definition. So the definition that we're going to use is that a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and who is committed to the mission of Jesus. This definition came out of another passage in Matthew, and you might recall the story when Jesus called James, John, and Peter to be disciples. Drop your nets, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and who is on mission with Jesus. Now, the scripture says, I want you to make disciples. So what's a disciple maker? Because ultimately, that's what he wants every disciple to be. A disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus who enters into a relationship with people, and it's an intentional relationship to help them follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. Okay? So go. Make disciples. Then the next part of our passage says, make disciples of all nations. Now when we hear nations, you probably think continents, you think globe, you think world map, because we have that perspective. Well, go back 2000 years. These people didn't have that perspective. All nations, I mean, they knew that if you, you know, went a couple of days walking this way or that way, there were other places. But one thing they definitely understood about all nations was there were a lot of different types of people, a lot of different groups, a lot of differences. They were Jews and Gentiles, Samaritans, Romans, right? And the, the verse says, go make disciples there too. One of the neat things about living in Central Florida is that over the decades, several missionary, international missionary organizations have headquartered here. They are committed to the commission that Jesus is giving us. They are committed to making disciples of all nations. And the neat thing about that is a lot of them are part of our Northern family. People who have given their lives to share Jesus around the world. Some of them have lived overseas. Some of them have family living overseas. Some of them are diligent in applying their gifts to supporting those that go overseas as missionaries. But the verse says, make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say, let's outsource it to the missionaries. See, People that go are called missionaries, but the rest of the disciples need to be senders. We need to know missionaries. We need to pray for missionaries. We need to invest financially with missionaries. We need to, when they come home for furlough, lend them our car for a week or two. See, this, again, is not outsourced to just the missionaries. Many of us are on the sending team. So go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them, it says next. Baptizing, oh, well, there's a churchy word. Well, baptism, yes. In fact, Jesus, at the start of his public ministry, around age 30, he was baptized by John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. Baptism is simply an external public profession of something that's happening internally. It's a commitment or a dedication that someone makes to Jesus. Jesus also gave us, we call them sacred practices, baptism and communion, right? The night he was betrayed and that is why churches continue to practice these sacred practices of baptism and communion. And baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Once again, he is reminding us and his audience that he is who he says he is. He speaks with that authority. And then, the, starting with verse 20 and teaching them to obey. Teaching? Well, in our Western mindset, when we hear teach, we think classroom, we think teacher, we think students. They've got the answers. We don't. There's going to be quizzes, there's going to be tests. And that's not really what this word teaching means. In fact, remember to the very first word, go. See, this teaching should should happen along the way. And many times we think there's a teacher and then there's a pupil. But when it comes to discipleship, sure, a disciple maker might initiate a relationship, might lead that relationship for a short period of time. But over time, disciples learn from one another, learn from the word of God. I met Greg about, I guess it was seven or eight years ago. He was new to Orlando. He was checking out Northland and he showed up one Saturday morning at my men's group. Wanted to give us a try. And then he came back the second week and the third week. He started to show up early to ask me questions. He started to stay a little later to ask me questions. We would correspond back and forth. Time went on, he proposed to Becca. And he said, Tom, would you and Janet be willing to do some pre-marriage counseling with Becca and I? And I said, sure. So over many, many months, they'd come over, they'd sit on our living room couch, and we'd walk through some pre-marriage counseling material. And they got married. And then it was just so neat to watch them just dive into this church family called Northland. Belong and grow first, and then they did some serve projects, and then they started to lead some serve projects, and then Becca, because she's a nurse, she started volunteering at Buddy Break, and she started volunteering on Sunday mornings, being one of our first responders. And sure, occasionally we'd get together, a text, an email, a football game, a concert, once he got married, he stopped coming to the Saturday morning thing because he figured out it was a lot nicer to stay home with your wife in bed instead of coming to a room with a bunch of guys who hadn't showered yet. So we forgive him for that. But I stayed in touch with him. And then in January of this year, he said, Tom, I need to get together with you. I need to share some information, some news. And he had gotten the report back from the Mayo Clinic 38 years old, cancer, and it was bad. And and in fact, you met Greg last week. He did that video about hope. He was a disciple who is teaching other disciples about hope, something I could never teach him. That's what this teaching means. Now, the scripture says teaching them to obey. Now, there's a word that I used a lot when I was bringing up the boys. (laughs) But eventually obey? I mean, who's going to tell me what to do, right? Obey. Well, let me give you an illustration because many times our understanding of obeying is not an accurate one. It's Christmas and in a few weeks the bills come due. You're gonna start getting invoices and bills, all those presents you just bought. I mean, it was a really tough year, so I mean, let's splurge a little bit and be happy, right? It's, it's cool, I did it too, right? But, but the bills start to come in, and then you start adding up school loans and car loans and mortgages. And I don't know what your number is, but for a moment, what would the number need to be that would just crush you? The amount of debt, would it be Tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, billions, billions! What is the number, what is the amount that when you laid down at bed at night it felt like there was a truck on your chest? What is the amount that as you think about it, you just... Oh, there's no way out. I'm never going to get up from underneath this. And then, just for a moment, imagine One day you open up one of those invoices and you're expecting to see a number, but what you see is a zero balance. (laughs) And you go, wow, this stuff never happens to me. Somebody made a mistake, but this is great. Should I say something? I don't know, but before you can even decide that dilemma, you get another invoice. And once again, you expect a big number and it's zero. And then a third, and then a fourth, and you go, Well, something is going on here, and it probably isn't good And if I don't say something, I'm probably gonna get arrested. So you start calling the banks and the credit card companies. There must be a mistake, and every single one of them say, no. We're looking here, such and such a date. There was a wire transfer. Money came in, you have a zero balance. And you keep asking questions, and they give you the account number. And you keep asking questions and digging, and you find out the account holder. You find out who it is, and you reach out to them and say, uh, I, I don't know you, but I think you kind of know me because for some reason you paid off all this debt. And I was just wondering, why? Why me? Why, do you do, why would you do something like this? And the account holder says, well, that's just what I do. I do it because I can do it. And I understand, you know, living that way is no way to live. That's not, that's not your best. So this is what I do. And you say, okay, but you do understand there is absolutely no way I'm gonna be able to pay you back. And the account holder says, oh, I, I know that. Well, is there anything I could do? And the account holder says, well, how about this? Would you be interested in learning some of the things that I know about money? And would you be interested in maybe learning those things so that maybe one day you could do others what I've done for you. And you go, sounds good to me. So this account holder begins to teach you about budgeting, about the right attitude of money, about it's all God's and we're really a steward of it. Uh, Concept of generosity. Investing. Now, if you followed that person's advice and if you lived that out, you'd say that's a pretty smart person, that's a pretty wise person. That's what obeying is. It's not something we have to do, it's something we get to do in response for what, in the Christian story, what Jesus has done for us. Back in the fall, Pastor Kevin shared another illustration of this idea of, of obedience, of bearing fruit, and in his illustration he, he talked about, imagine walking through an apple orchard or an orange grove, and you look and you see all of this fruit, you don't hear or see the trees struggling to produce fruit. The trees just do it because that's what they have been created to do. The verse that he was teaching us about was John 15, verse 8. This This is Jesus speaking. This is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciples. And teaching them to obey. Everything that I have commanded you. Everything? Where's that at? Everything. (laughs) Right? No more... And no less. The Bible, wholly inspired, inerrant word of God, tells us what Jesus has commanded. And it is our responsibility as a disciple to understand what this is. Not just so that we can teach others. Not just so that we can obey it. But so that when there are people who want to add to this, we can call them out and say, no, 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 that's not what this says and when people say well you don't have to pay attention to all that stuff I mean some of that's old-fashioned and out there. no nothing more and nothing less teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and then the final sentence And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always. I wonder why he'd have to say that. Well, because he knew it would be tough. He knew there would be seasons where we would doubt. He knew there would be times when we didn't believe he was with us. And he's reminding us, surely I'm always going to be with you. Another thing he knew... He knew that we were all in a battle. There is a spiritual battle that rages between good and evil, God and Satan. And I know we don't like to talk about it very much, but just because we don't like to talk about it doesn't mean that it still isn't true. Satan, the evil one, Lucifer, there's a whole bunch of names for him. The Bible says that he wants to see steal and kill and destroy. Those aren't really positive attributes. And we need to be reminded when he's coming at us that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with us. Surely. Always. And then the last part of our scripture says, until the very end of the age. Well, when's that? I don't know. However, this time of year, the beginning of the new year, the kooks come out. There will be people that will tell you that they have studied scripture. They have plugged in all of these numbers and they've created an algorithm. And Jesus is coming back next Thursday at 2.15 a.m. And then there'll be some others that don't even go to that extreme in that work. They just go, yeah, I was walking along the street one day. Jesus told me he's coming back next Friday. Sell everything you own. Come meet me. And he's going to take us up. I call them kooks because Jesus himself said, no one knows the hour or the day. Jesus said even he didn't know that only the Father knew. Now we might not know when he's coming back, but we have an inkling as to what's gonna transpire when he does. Now the disciple John, who again is in our audience here, near the end of his life, He was given dreams and visions from God, and he wrote them down in a book called Revelation. It's the last book of our Bible. If you haven't read the Bible, please don't start at Revelation. Revelation, excuse me, Revelation. Because Revelation is a tough read. It's tough for a couple of reasons. One is that it mentions a lot of different prophecies that have been made previously over the centuries in the Bible. Another reason why this book of Revelation is so difficult is that John is seeing something and he literally does not have the words to describe it. I mean, he's looking into heaven. He's looking at creatures and people and he doesn't have the words. And if you read through Revelation, there are many times where you can just feel John struggling for the words that just don't exist. But in Revelation 19... Verse 11, and this passage that I'm going to read fulfills about 34 prophecies that are in the Bible. But as John had this dream, he writes about when Jesus comes back I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself, and he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and has the name, Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, and coming out of the rider's mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This baby that we worship comes back, and he's still King of kings and Lord of lords. So that's Jesus' final words. Go, And make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus's final words need to be our first priority. So, how do you make that happen? What do you do with that tomorrow? Well, I want to go back to our definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. To follow him, you've got to know him. Not just know about him, you need to know him. Have you ever accepted who Jesus is and what he's done for you? I'm not talking about the baptismal certificate you found in your mom's drawer. And I'm not talking about I got confirmed when I was 13. No, I'm talking about you making that faith your own. This bridge above me was built with a purpose to remind us that there is a God holy who cannot even look at sin. And then, at the other end of this very long bridge, there's us. And the Scripture teaches us we inherited a sin nature from Adam and Eve. I know it's a raw deal, but that's the way it worked. And all the time, all of our life, we're trying to get across the bridge, and we're trying to do good things, think good things, right? And it's a bridge too far for us. We can't, no one can do it on their own. But that's why Jesus ended up on that cross. It was his sacrifice, his shedding of blood so that we could wear that white, clean linen robe and the Father loves us and sees us and and we are accepted. I don't know where you're at. You could be sitting on a couch. You could be sitting in an airport. You could be sitting right here. The prayer doesn't have magical words. It's a prayer from your heart. It it sounds something like Heavenly Father. I get it. (laughs) I I, I get it. I, I, I knew that I was missing something. I knew that even with my own striving I it just wasn't getting the job done. And I'm quite frankly not good at it, and I'm tired. But I've just heard that I don't have to try, I don't have to do, I have to believe. I have to accept this free gift of what Jesus did for me. He died for me to cover my sins. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, come into my life. I surrender to you, I wanna be a disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you might be sitting next to someone. Now, the, the scripture says, you know, baptize. Well, we're, we're having difficulty in a socially distanced world with that. But you still should let some people know if that's the decision that you've made. You might be sitting next to someone on that couch or here. And man, it's been a long while. They've been dropping hints about Jesus. And they said they've been praying for you. And today, it all made sense. And, and right now, you just might want to reach... To that other person and just hold their hand and squeeze it and say, I got it. I understand now. Thank you. Some of you in the next few minutes need to call someone, a family member, a coworker. They've been dropping this Jesus thing at you as well. And today you figured it out and you could say, Hey, thank you. And w- would you help me with my next steps? Some of you, you don't even know how you found this on YouTube, right? You were just, cruising through social media and you saw some old fat guy with a box and you wondered if he was going to open it up and you just kind of listen the whole way through it's not by accident maybe you're visiting someone and they said yeah come to church with us on sunday i I, I don't know but you might not have someone to reach out to so that's what the church is for so up on the screens there's going to be a a number and if you will text that number and new to god and just give us a little bit of information, your name, how to get a hold of you, how you would prefer to be contacted. And, and I have a team of people. And for the last week, we've been praying for you. We just, we just didn't know your name or your number. And in the next 24, 48 hours, they're gonna contact you and you get to tell them, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer. Would you help me be a disciple? And they will help you and point you to your next steps. Our definition of a disciple is someone who follows Jesus and then someone who is being changed by Jesus. And for most of the life of the disciple, you're always going to be changed. You don't ever know everything. So maybe that's you. Maybe you have made a choice for Jesus, but now you're ready to make a deeper commitment to be more of a disciple. Well, what are some of the things you could do? Well, the best two things I could recommend are what Jesus did, read the scriptures and pray. If it worked for him, it might work for us too. It's good practices. Another thing is uh, join us regularly. If you're not here, we miss you. And when people talk about stories of previous sermons and you weren't here, you you don't get it all, right? But we miss you if you're not here. What would it look like if we binged on Jesus as much as we're binging on a lot of other things this year? And to get even more out of worship, we've got this thing called Digging Deeper. Gus mentions it a lot, and it's something you can download online or on Tuesdays. We email it out. But part of the sermon preparation is we have a couple of questions that you can read through. You can talk through with other people. And this week's has some resources. You might have a lot of questions about this thing called called Christianity or Jesus. You might wanna learn, how do I read my Bible? I don't think I just pick it up and start reading it like a novel, do I? No. So there's resources there that can walk you through how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. So those resources are there for you in digging deeper. Some of you, you've been listening to me but you haven't heard a word I said because right now the pain is screaming so loud You can't hear anything. This was the first Christmas without them. And it hurts. Maybe this Christmas wasn't that special. Maybe it was just another day, another step on a downward spiral. And you don't know how to get off. You know, sometimes the first step in growing in Jesus is asking for help having some people come around you to help you through grief, to help you through some of the issues that you might be dealing with, some of life's habits, hurts, and hang-ups. In the Engage paper that we keep talking about that you can get on your way or you can download online, it's a great article. What are some of those hurts and habits and hang-ups? It might be codependency. It might be an addiction to love and relationships it might be an issue with anger it might be sexual addiction it might be issues with food you might have been a victim of some abuse, physical or sexual or emotional maybe you've got a drug and alcohol issue some of the neatest disciple makers I know have been where you're at but Christ has gotten them through it and now they're disciple makers they would love to come alongside of you and Help restore you in Jesus. It's a great opportunity. And then uh, finally, our definition. Disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and then is on the mission with Jesus. Well, we just learned about the mission. Maybe you're ready to be a disciple maker, and you don't know how to start. Well, there's a article, just some Q&As. It'll tell you a little bit more about the journey that we have been on. It addresses some interesting questions like, is there a difference between a Christian and a disciple? I'm not going to tell you. You have to read the article. And in this article, it'll point you towards the worship guide or uh, northlandchurch.net slash disciples. And on that form, you can tell us who you are. You can tell us how we can help you you might want to be a disciple maker, but how do I get started? What what do I use? We can help you with that. I don't know how to do it. We can help you with that. We're developing a, a team of coaches that will walk with you. Some of you don't have two or three people that you could invite to disciple. Let us know that because we have a lot of people saying, I want to be discipled, but no one's asked me yet. And we can connect a disciple maker with a disciple. So Be a part of that, that might be your next step. The vision of this church is engaging people to be fully alive in Jesus. And today you learn the mission. We're gonna follow Jesus together by making disciples that make disciples. Please stand and receive the benediction. Heavenly Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you that you tell us who we are. We tell us, you tell us who you are. And now we know the mission that we are on. Be with my brothers and sisters. I pray that the Holy Spirit has prodded them to take just one step, one right step towards being a disciple or to making disciples. And may you find me and them and this church faithful to what you're calling us to. We look forward to being on mission with you. May you find us faithful as you are. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as you know, those of you that are here, uh, the ushers will release you one row at a time. So for those of you who paid a lot for these seats, just sit tight, just sit tight. Uh, We'll we'll let the folks in the back out first. But thank you so much for being here. Come on back next week. Uh, Pastor Gus is going to start another uh, series called One Scripture, One Story, One Savior. And you can learn more about this Jesus. Happy New Year.